Welcome to Belief Busters Podcast, where we change the world one belief at a time. True transformation happens when we question if the beliefs we hold are of truth, or simply someone else's belief that we have internalized as our own. I'm your host, Rev. Cherie Taylor-Jones, and I'm glad you could join us on the journey. Welcome to another episode of Belief Busters. Today on our show, I'm really excited to have Libby Molina with us. She is known as the self-love coach. I like that. (laughs) Libby is also a podcaster, and her mission is to teach women how to heal trauma, reprogram, transform, and manifest their desires using self-love magic. She says self-love isn't just self-care. It's about wholly and authentically loving all parts of you, even the parts you hide and deny. Self-love is a tool to shape your world. Whatever you see within you will be mirrored to you in all aspects of life. Libby came from a very strict religious household. Many aspects of herself and her life had to remain hidden and kept secret from the world. She is a conscious healer, women's empowerment coach, and through her programs, Libby facilitates life-changing transformation for women all over the world, taking them from a mundane life to unleashing their powerful self-love magic. Woo! Welcome, Libby. Oh, thank you. (laughs) What an introduction. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's really great to have you. And I I like the phrasing that you're using, self-love magic. Mm. That's powerful. Why'd you choose that phrasing? Tell me. You know, that was such a download. One day it just came to me and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so perfect because we are all just magic. And that's what I love about the universe is it's so mysterious. It's so mystical. And we're always just trying to, you know, like figure it out. Mm -hmm. And magic was something that was so taboo for me growing up. It was like, Ooh, it's magic. It's witchcraft. Like don't touch that. You're going to go to hell. And and I was really afraid of it for a long time. So a lot of that was also reclaiming my power. And I realized that, you know, the level that you love yourself and the level of your self-worth, when that matches your desires, that's when things really manifest. And that is so magical because you can want something that's so outside of you and you can feel so separate from it. Like you might be like, oh my God, I really want a Maserati. That's so great. And you can say, I have a Maserati, I have a Maserati and like say all those affirmations. But if your worth is not at that level, yep. it, you're, you're putting more distance between you and your desire. Yep. Perfect. So tell me about your earliest beliefs, because it sounds like you really had to go through a process to get where you are today. So what was your indoctrination like? Girl, I went through it. Like, wow. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Real, real talk went through it. Um, So I grew up in a very culty church. Um, It was a very large church. And you know, we had all the sound, we had the lights, we had the video, we had a school, we had a football team, uh, drama productions. So everything that you really need in a community we had. And growing up in that, it there were some really great things and really not great things. 
So we were really taught about having spiritual gifts. Yep. Um, so that was something that I was really able to cultivate from a young age is being able to uh, use visions, use my dreams. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term or your listeners about speaking in tongues. Yep. That was a huge, huge one. And that's one that I'm one of the gifts that I'm like, oh, not so sure about it right now. I think it was just a, a learned gift. But really at the core, it was that the way to prosperity, there was a lot of prosperity doctrine, the way to get rich, the way to get to heaven and the way to live your most fulfilled life was to be plugged into this specific church, to these specific pastors. And it was very constricted. And there was a lot of love preaching, Mm -hmm. but not a lot of love enacting got it there was a lot of judgments going on um you know like i'm a great singer i love to sing but i wasn't allowed to be a part of the church band because the leaders knew you know and i was like 18 that i was going out to bars and who like she's wow. the sinner we cannot have her on our stage like no wow. no no we cannot have her preaching the gospel you know so there was levels of worthiness within that mm-hmm. church which was quite damaging for me, for my soul. I, and there was a lot of times I felt very evil. Growing up, I knew by the age of 12, 13, that I wasn't straight. Okay. And, you know, you grow up with a lot of homophobic rhetoric. Sure. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh no. Like I have feelings for a girl. Like I'm going to go to hell. I'm sinful. And that just becomes, I started to deny that part of me. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not that way. I'm holy. I wasn't meant to do that. I'm not going to listen to the flesh. And that was a big thing that they taught was the flesh is sinful. The Mm -hmm. spirit is holy, but the flesh is sinful. Mm -hmm. And so any kind of desires or urges that you have end up really boxing you in like, okay, so anything, I can't do this. I can't do that. And you end up living by doctrine and not by relationship which is what was taught. And so there was a really big gap between what was taught and what was practiced. Yes. Because what was taught was, uh, you know, you should have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Like, you know, Christianity is not about doctrine. It's about relationship. But then in practice, that wasn't it at all. It was very clean cut, dry. If you do this, you're going to hell. If you do this, you're going to heaven. And while there's a lot of teaching of grace, and I find that so beautiful about uh, the Christian religion is truly that grace. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. God still loves you. But then you read the Bible and you're like, huh, that's kind of not always the case. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like there's just a lot of things that didn't add up for me. And I really struggled this through my teen years, really trying to understand, well, what is right? because there's such a dichotomy between what's being taught and then what's in the Bible and what's practiced in everyday life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel a lot of love, uh, you know, from my pastors, from my church, from my community. I felt a lot of shame. And when you go through that, you start to feel, at least I started to feel, and I'm sure a lot of people have gone through this, that there's something wrong with you And instead of questioning the beliefs of the power structures, you start to question yourself. 
and you question your worthiness. And when you question your worthiness, you can't be standing in your power. You can't be standing in your love and in your, in your self-worth when you're questioning if you're even worthy of, of being of yeah. breathing, of existing. Yeah. Yes. So my background is Catholicism and I went to Catholic school. So I got to tell you, there's a lot of mirroring mm -hmm. as you're talking just about the hardcore doctrine of, you know, if you even think something sinful or of the flesh, you're going to hell. Yes, you know? because the thought is even a sin. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you're doomed, man. Yeah. I know for me, that really took me on a spiritual journey when I finally got free of home, you know, and got on the spiritual journey to, well, I was so angry with God, first of all, you know, there was just such relief in just being angry with God, mm -hmm. God of that, of their understanding, you know, to then develop into some kind of a relationship of my understanding, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's really a big difference. I love that you said when you got free of home, because I had that same experience. I had to go so far away from home. Like I had to leave the continent to really get away from that. And I had, I traveled by myself, um, not for the first time, but it was my first time away from church, first time away from family for a long, long period of time. And it was like getting away that I was able to experience other ways of being, other ways of believing. And I was able to self-reflect and say, Am I wrong? Mm -hmm. Were they wrong? Mm -hmm. And then I started to question, you know, is there a hell? Is there a Satan? And then I'm like, okay, well, and you understand this, right? Because growing up in Catholicism, well, I was, I went to the Jewish side and I was like, hey, well, you know, it was all written in Hebrew. What do the Jews believe? Like, what do they believe about hell and Satan? Turns out they don't. They don't. They don't. I'm like, so what the hell? I'm like, <laughs> so grace conveniently came in at a time where hell conveniently came in because in the old Testament, it was like, God creates the good and the bad. Everything was wrapped in with God. And then the new Testament, there is such a split between what happens. And I was always taught, you know, oh, we should pity them because they don't believe in grace and they're saved by their works not by God. And, you know, so then questioning that and saying, wow, well, is Satan real? And that was the biggest change. There was a lot of changes before that happened. Mm -hmm. but that was a big change where I was like, I don't believe in Satan. I don't believe in a hell. And that was the biggest freeing moment for me. Beautiful. Because even when you start to be more progressive in your faith and say, okay, well, maybe it's okay to be gay. Mm -hmm. So we'll start there. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's okay. And then, you know, maybe Noah's Ark didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And maybe the Tower of Babel didn't happen. Maybe. And then you start, okay, okay. So those things kind of being okay, but I still believe in Jesus. I still believe that I need to serve him. I still believe in this patriarchal God where there's no female expression. Right. And you can, I kind of went through that and I was like, Hey, well, I can still, I can still be a Christian. I still kind of held to that for a really long time. And was, I was just like, you know, I'm like, 
a backslidden worldly Christian. Now was backslider. I was like, and I'm okay with that. I was like, I think Jesus is okay with that. I think he's okay with it. And I was always okay because I was always like, as long as I'm good with Jesus, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of came to this point of being like, okay, hell doesn't exist. So now I don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, if I don't worship Jesus and I look to other gods or goddesses or other spiritual entities, I'm not going to go to hell and I'm not damning myself and I won't spend eternity in the fiery pits. And that was a huge, huge release of shame and allowed me to be so free in experiencing life and also being able to love other people as they are without judgment because I stopped judging myself. Yes. Yes. So what do you think is, was your process to get to this place of really being able to love yourself in all aspects of you? I was, I was in such a dark place. I had really, I had, I had gone through anorexia, bulimia for over a decade, major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety, borderline personality, bipolar. Like I had it all. Yeah, it was a list, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like this bitch is crazy. Like that's how I felt when I looked at myself in the mirror, like I didn't see me. Mm-hmm. And what had really happened one night is I had gone through a few suicide attempts. And then one night I had an overdose. Wow. And I was at this point where I was like, oh my gosh, something is deeply, deeply, you know, not right within me. I had this happen to me. So I'm like, okay, something's going on because I didn't even intentionally try to kill myself this time. And I literally almost died. So what is causing me to behave in such self-sabotaging behavior, mm-hmm. right? What is causing me to not trust myself? What's causing me to live in fear? And so I really had to look inward and say, wow, I realized there were so many parts of me that I had just gone through so much shame growing up. I wasn't allowed to wear the clothes I liked. I wasn't allowed to wear the makeup that I wanted to wear. I had to ascribe to a certain, you know, subject position and stay in that lane. Right. And so even though I had done a lot of unlearning, there was still a lot of soul that had to be healed within me. So after that, you know, really scary moment, I had to realize that, okay, there's something else going on. I need to look inwards. And I said, wow, there's so much parts of me that are just wrapped up in shame. Mm -hmm. And even though consciously I know I don't need to live like that, there was just so much programming in the subconscious that even though I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the church. I'm done with this. And I'm just so open to so many other experiences now. And I'm really happy with that. I'm really okay with that. Subconsciously, I wasn't. Subconsciously, I still felt like a sinner. I subconsciously, I still felt like my life was wrapped up in guilt and that I was still a bad person. And how did you work through that? So I did a lot of meditation. Meditation really saved my life. Um, I was able to really, through meditation, enter these really, really uh, fantastic experiences where parts of my life, of my teenage years, especially my early teenage years, preteen years, that were, there was a lot of trauma in there that I didn't even realize. Seeing these moments and saying, oh my gosh, this single moment, while it didn't seem that big at the time, caused so much shame, so much trauma. Mm-hmm. And I held on to that and it made me feel 
like I was not good enough. Right. And so I had to go back into those moments. And what I did is I saw myself as I am now loving and accepting of me going into that moment and speaking to my younger self and telling myself whatever I needed, or even if it was just holding myself and being there for me and reassuring her that she's okay, that she is loved, that she is worthy. And then I, I take that experience and I bring it back into the present moment and then realign myself in that way. So meditation was the biggest key to making that happen for me. So what steps would you suggest um, to give people permission to work through the trauma and to be able to let go of that, to get to that place of self-love and worthiness? Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, number one, know that your life is okay. Everybody has trauma. Everybody has shame. So don't shame yourself for feeling like, oh my God, I've got all this shit I need to deal with. But just saying, okay, this is normal. And it is a victory to be able to acknowledge that. So one, I would say, you know, if you're feeling that way, acknowledge that you recognizing that is a victory. And number two, spend time with yourself and listen to your body. I was always taught the flesh is sinful, but instead now, listen to your body. What is your body telling you? Is it telling you, I need to rest? Is it telling you, hey, I've got this pain in here. Pay attention to what's going on here. Oh, maybe you've got, you know, some pain in your chest and it's like, well, what are the things going on in your life causing these pains, right? Really listening to your body and spending time to get quiet with yourself and creating space for you to just be where you don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to be with anyone. Be alone and get comfortable with spending time with just yourself. Right. Because we, we just have so many distractions all the time. And it's really important to give ourselves that time that we are worthy. We are worthy to have that time, to have that expansiveness, to really get in touch with if we are here on this planet, it's not only just to be these spiritual beings, it's also to be, have these human experiences Mm -hmm. as well, you know, and that all of that is valuable. All of that is worthy. You know, that's something uh, that Buddha taught was that suffering is just a part of the human experience. And that's okay. We're here to have this experience. And I love that you said we're not just here to have a, be spiritual beings because we are a spiritual being having a human experience. And in that, there's so much beauty. But you're also here to focus on your light, not focusing on other people's light and saying, okay, well, they have this, so I can't. When you look at somebody else and allow that to empower you to say, wow, they have something. That means I can have it too because we are all from the same consciousness. We are all from the same energy. So if it's possible for somebody else, it is possible for me. And focusing on your light, because you are also called to be a leader. You are called to be an example. You are called to be great and to have a beautiful and divine life. We are not here to play small, as Mary is known for saying. 
What's the one takeaway that you hope women get from this conversation? You are powerful when you stand in your truth. You are powerful when you are honest with yourself and when you are in alignment with who you are and not with who the powers of society have told you that you should be. You are most magical when you are aligned with your truest self. How can people get in contact with you and how do they work with you? I have a Facebook group called Magical AF Babes because you are magical AF. So that's my Facebook group. I'll send you the links. You can put it all in the show notes. So that's a really great way to be in contact with me. Uh, my business is called Life with Libby. So you can find me on Instagram at life.with.libby, L-I-B-B-I-E, not Y. Not yeah, well. L-I-B-B-I-E. So Instagram and Facebook are the best ways to get in touch with me. And then to work with me, yeah, you can apply to work with me. And how that works is I just like to have a heart-centered conversation in a beautiful and sacred space to see, okay, here's where you're at right now. This is why things are not working out for you. And I get really honest, but in a way that's so loving and caring say, look, these are patterns that have been going on in your life. This is what's holding you back. And I'll say, okay, well, if we feel aligned and we feel good together, then I will offer you that opportunity to really come into one of my programs, you know, because if we're not aligned, you know, I want somebody else to help you out, right? Right. I want I want to make sure that anybody that I work with has that full and beautiful transformation. So appreciate you being with us, Libby. Thank you so much. So Belief Busters Posse, I'm hoping that this gives you a check into the reality that everyone has stuff, everyone has trauma, everyone has been shamed, and you can transform from that. You have the ability to have a beautiful full, rich life. The power is yours. I'll see you next time on the flip side. If you are enjoying these conversations about assessing your belief systems and how to transform outdated beliefs, then please subscribe and give us a positive review. To support this podcast and its transformative work, you can also become a sponsor for as little as $5 a month. You can reach Rev Cherie at info at beliefbusterspodcast.org. To continue on this journey of evolution, you can also get my book, Turning Your Why into Why Not, at Amazon or any other bookstores, which gives you practical tools to do this work. See you next time on the flip side.